quick reminder, the hosts of this show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and nothing said on the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. Hello and welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial informational topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. This is episode 28 in our new format. This is Mike Frost, and today on the podcast, we'll be discussing year-end financial moves that you might want to consider. First of all, let's welcome to the podcast our CEO and founder, David Lee. David, how was your Thanksgiving? It was great. Uh, had a great time visiting family and friends and ate lots of turkey, ate too much, but my belt's a little tighter this morning, but I'm same, happy to be here. Same here, David. <laughs> <laughs> that other voice you heard on the podcast here is Natalie. She's our producer and marketing director and also, Natalie, a brand new homeowner. I am. I am. So over Thanksgiving holiday, she just bought their very first home. That's very exciting. Right, Natalie? It's something else. Let me tell you, we should be in by Christmas. Fantastic. Okay, folks. So today, year in, we've had a crazy 2020. We've just finished Thanksgiving, and now we're staring Christmas in the face. And whoops, we're about ready to start 2021. What are some things you should be thinking about doing now before the end of the year to help you with your finances. So we're gonna go over a few of those today. First of all, any tax-favored contributions, tax-favored contributions, examples would be what, David? Well, for example, a 529, those are college savings. That's a form of college savings account. You can uh, max out your Arkansas tax deduction. I think Arkansas limits you to a $700 maximum deduction. So. And the key on the 529 is you have to make those contributions by the end of the year. Correct. To get that Arkansas state tax deduction. So that one is. Now, the other tax. Well, let me, let me finish on the 529. So you, if you want to max out your tax deductibility for a 529, and if you live in the state of Arkansas, it has to be an Arkansas 529, and you can put $10,000 into the 529 in order to max out your $700 maximum that the state of Arkansas will allow you to deduct. Uh, there is no federal deduction for a 529, but to your point, Mike, you've got until the end of the calendar year, whereas other uh, IRA contributions such as Roth IRAs and traditional IRAs, you've got until your tax filing deadline, which is in April. So you, you've got until April of 2021 to max out your IRAs and Roth IRAs for 2020. April 2021, or before you do your taxes for 2020. And so, we're t- like David said, IRAs, Roth, health savings accounts. If you have a health savings account, you can make that 2020 contribution up until you file your taxes next year, just like an IRA. Same thing goes for an ESA. You can make that contribution for 2020 up until you file your taxes in 21. April 15th, most likely. And we talked a lot about HSAs on our previous podcast. So if you want more information on maximums that you can contribute to that, you can go back to our previous podcast and listen to that. But like you said, Mike, you've got until April uh, until you've got until April of next year to max out 2020. Your 2020 contributions and your tax deferred accounts. Okay. How about this year? What should I be doing this year? Some of you that are over 70 and a half, you're and you want to make a t- 
tax-efficient contribution to a charity, what's the best way to do that, David? You can do what's called a qualified charitable distribution. So again, that's if you're only applicable, if you're over the age of 70 and a half this year, if you went over 70 and a half in calendar year 2020, you can do what's called a qualified charitable distribution. So we've probably talked about these on some of our previous podcasts, but bottom line is instead of taking out your required minimum distribution that the government normally makes you take out and paying taxes on it, if you're already charitably minded and already giving to a church or charity, you might as well have that go directly out of your um, IRA directly into the charity's hands because that way it doesn't add to your tax liability and the charity gets to receive it tax-free. Now, even though this year in 2020, due to the CARES Act, you were not required to take a minimum required distribution this year, you can still do the qualified charitable distribution even though you didn't have to take a distribution this year. So the keys there are you got to be 70 and a half, It has to come from a tax-deferred account, like an IRA or 401k. It has to go directly to the charity. It can't come to you first. And if you have a beneficiary IRA, somebody passed away and left you an IRA, you can use that for a QCD. So a lot of tax-efficient ways to give this year, but they have to be done by 12-31-2020. So if that's on your mind, you want to get that done, Talk to someone. If you need help with us, we'll be happy to help you with that. Charitable contributions. As all of you know, 2020 has been a crazy year. A lot of charities have canceled their fundraisers. So if you're charity-minded and you want to take that tax deduction, you got to have that done by 12-31-2020. A couple of ways to do charitable deductions there for this year. Okay. Some of you have something called an FSA, a flexible spending account at your workplace. That's great. You put money in tax deferred, you spend it, no tax on it. That's great. These FSA, flexible spending accounts, are use it or lose it. Some companies will let you carry it over until March of next year. Some won't. You need to find out if that's true for you. But an interesting statistic, David, I found out 80% of participants in FSA, flexible spending accounts, leave money in the account at the end of the year. And guess where the money goes, Natalie? Where, Mike? The company <laughs> keeps their money. Back what? to the employer. It okay, does. Might as, well, might as well take a match to that, light that, that money on fire. Exactly. Right? So if, if that's you and you've got some money in the FSA, flexible spending account, do whatever you got to do. Go to the eye doctor, get some new contacts, new sunglasses, prescription, whatever is available, eligible, spend that money. Otherwise, your employer is going to get it. FSA, spend it or lose it. All right, those of you that are well off and you want to think about gifting, you want to give money away to lower your estate and potentially lower your taxes in the future, well, you can do $15,000 per person per year. So David, you've got two children. If you were so minded, you could give them both $15,000 a year, right? Yeah, so we could give each of our children $30,000 without it impacting their tax return. So David jumped from 15 to 30. So David could give 15. His wife could give 15 to each child. So that's $30,000 per each child each year. Now there is a maximum you can do that over a lifetime. And under current law, that's $11 million, $11,580,000. David, will you hit that limit this year? I don't think year? so. Not this year. Not this year. All right, we'll watch that for next year. <laughs> and, and one thing I want to add on to the gifting discussion, I, I see a lot of confusion and questions about this, uh, especially around 
the Christmas giving season. Clients want to know how much they can give to their children. Well, the, the truth is you can give as much as you want. It's just that if you don't want it to impact their tax return, you need to stay under that gifting limit of $15,000 per spouse per child. The One of the main benefits, one of the main reasons for having that, that gifting uh, limit or one of the main benefits to being able to gift is if you are getting close to your estate tax threshold, it's like uh, 11, over $11 million under current yeah, law, but yeah. that's going to change in 2026. Yeah. So if you're, let's say you're worth $12 million, I realize not many of you listening out there maybe have that problem, but if you, but if you're over that $11 million threshold, say you're at 12 million and you're trying to get your estate down to where you don't have a, a death tax issue, Gifting can be a great way to do it. You just give $15,000 a year to your children and grandchildren to try to get that limit down. And Dave, along that same lines, if, if you and your wife were going to give your son $30,000, you would write two separate checks. Yes. So it shows that it's two separate accounts it's coming from, or it could be the same account, but it has to be from two separate people. It can't be just one $30,000 That's check. right. Good so, point. All right, so that's gifting. So anybody need somebody to give it to? Natalie just bought a new house. She said she'd raise her hand if you want to give her 15K. She's willing to accept it. Okay. <laughs> How about taking your traditional IRA and moving it to a Roth IRA? Yeah, this is something we've talked a lot about on the podcast over time. And um, I think we've even probably got some YouTube videos out there about Roth conversions. But this is a calendar year thing. So if you're going to make a Roth conversion... It has to be done before December 31st of this year. So you talked about use or lose it with respect to FSAs earlier, Mike. Uh, Roth conversions are also kind of a use or lose it type of thing. It, for every year that goes by where you don't do a Roth conversion, that's a year you'll never get back the opportunity ever again to do a Roth conversion. Uh, the reason why you might want to do a Roth conversion is because if you think tax rates are going to be higher in the future than they are today, you might want to think about doing a Roth conversion, but there's, there's a whole lot to this topic. We could spend a couple of podcasts just on this topic, but suffice to say that you, you definitely want to involve your financial advisor, a fiduciary like Mach one and your CPA, your tax advisor need to all be involved in that planning process and that decision-making process on whether you should do a Roth conversion. And if so, how much now, and folks hear the words conversion, taking a tax deferred account, paying the tax on it and put it into a Roth so you never pay tax on it again. Now that is different than contributions. Contributions have a limit each year, depending on your age, either $6,000 to $7,000 on IRAs. 401ks have different limits. Now, so David, know that, that contributions have limits. Are there limits on how much you can convert in a year? There is no limit on a conversion because the government will allow you to pay as much tax as you want to pay, right? That's correct. However, you're getting ready to say it. It wouldn't make sense to convert everything all in one year, would it? That's right. So let's say you had a million dollars in your IRA. If you converted all million dollars this year, let's say you make $100,000 a year income and you got a million bucks in your IRA or 401k. If you converted all that million dollars this year before December 31st, your taxable income this year is going to be $1.1 million, which would put you all the way uh, up into the top tax bracket of roughly 40% and then tack on state and local taxes in addition to that. And you're, you know, maybe getting 50 cents on the dollar. So there's a smart way to do Roth conversions, what we call managing your bracket. 
and again, for today's purposes, we don't have time to get into all the details about, about that. You can find more details on that in a previous podcast that we've done, or you can of course call us, but, but bottom line is that's why I said you want to involve a fiduciary advisor and a tax advisor in the decision-making process to determine whether you should do a Roth conversion at all. And if you should, how much you should do to manage your tax bracket efficiently. And time is of the essence. We're sitting here first of December and it's got to be done by the end of the month. Okay. All right. So how about, I've heard this term tax lost harvesting. You know, I hear tax loss, like I'm losing money. How in the world do I harvest a loss? So let's say you've got, let's say most of your account, account, by the way, I should preface this by saying we're talking about non IRA accounts only. This does not, this concept does not apply to IRA accounts because those are all taxable whenever you take it out. But, um, with respect to non-IRA accounts, so this would be an individual brokerage account, a jointly owned account, a trust owned account, anything that's not an IRA, you can apply tax loss harvesting to it. So let's say most of your accounts, all the stocks and mutual funds in that non-IRA account have done well this year, but maybe you've got one or two dogs in there that have lost money. Well, you could sell the, the losers and when you if you sell it at a loss, that's that's a realized capital loss. And so you actually get to capture that loss on your tax return. Now there's a limit, a limit to how much you can do. You can only take, I think it's $3,000 of loss per year, but let's say, so let's say you've got one stock that's down five, uh, let's say one stock's down $10,000 and everything else is up for an easy example. Well, let's, let's further say that you've got maybe too much allocated to one single stock and maybe you want to, and it's got a lot of gain in it, but you want to reduce your exposure to it. You could sell, uh, let's say $7,000 worth of gain in that stock. So you sell however many shares it takes to sell off, you know, $7,000 worth of gain in that stock. And then you sell the, the stock that's lost 10,000. And so you would actually have a net loss between the two of only $3,000, which is the maximum that you can realize in terms of a tax loss. So that's what's known as tax loss harvesting. You're harvesting that loss and making lemonade out of lemons, something that has lost money. You're using it to um, give you a little bit of tax help at tax time. So in 2020, uh, we've seen a lot of folks that have, you know, maybe accounts uh, at other places, individual accounts, individual stocks that just have not recovered from the drop-off in March. Right. And what you're saying is they can take advantage of that because a lot of other their assets may have taken off and made money. So they can take that loss and offset some of that gain and not pay as much taxes. Again, these are taxable accounts we're talking about. Like David said, no more, no IRAs. No, we're not talking about 401ks. These are taxable accounts. So that's tax loss harvesting. And one thing I should mention on this for those of you listening who are clients uh, if you have non-IRA accounts with us, uh, most of our strategies, specifically the artificial intelligence strategy, automatically takes advantage of tax loss harvesting for you every year. So you don't have to worry about, oh man, should I be doing that or should I not be doing that? The, the strategies automatically take advantage of tax loss harvesting for you. Well, then the flip side of tax loss harvesting is tax gain harvesting. Now, I, we get the idea, okay, things will go down, we sell those, we can take that off our taxes. Well, how does selling something at a gain and paying tax on it, how does that make sense in a year like this? Well, if you think that 
for example, there's talk about the capital gain tax rate going higher. So if you if you're concerned about that, you could sell something that you've got a lot of gain in if you're worried that, well, let's say let's say, for example, right now, the um, the long term capital gain tax rate is 15 percent and there's talks of it going up to 23 percent. Then you might want to sell some of that this year. Go ahead. Yes, you're going to pay taxes on that gain at 15 percent. But you might look back on that decision and say, well, I'm glad I did that if taxes if long-term capital gain tax rates went up. So if I did that this year, Dave, let's just use Walmart stock. A lot of people in this Walmart world here, I sell it, I pay the 15% capital gains and I turn right around and I buy Walmart stock again. Now my cost basis is higher and likelihood of it making such a gain again next year may not be as great. And so I've got to, I've reset my cost basis, which is another tax strategy. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you're, as you just said, you're, resetting that ta- that cost basis higher, paying the taxes at today's known rates in anticipation of an unknown, potentially higher future rate. So even if the stock does continue to appreciate, as we hope it will, and go up, and ev- so that even if tax rates do go, do go up in the future, you're not, at least you're not paying that higher capital gain tax rate on the entire thing. One other thing we should mention here is there is something called under current law, you have what's called a step up basis in the event of death. Um, so if you're, if you're older, especially if you're maybe not in great health and you've got a stock that's really appreciated in value a lot, you might not want to sell it because your children will receive the benefit of what's called stepped up basis at your death, meaning they could inherit the stock and sell it and basically pay no tax. Now I will also say point of caution here. That's another thing that a Biden administration is saying they want to change. They want to change the stepped up basis rule. So if you start to see things like uh, if you start to hear more talk about the stepped up basis rule changing, uh, I would anticipate seeing a lot of people uh, selling, you know, doing this tax gain harvesting that you're talking about, Mike, and taking advantage of selling tax at a, at a known capital tax gain rate. And David, I think now's a good time to say that the information we're sharing with you is just general top line information. Please don't take this or run out and do something with it. Yes. Other than contact a fiduciary financial advisor like Mach 1 and or your CPA before you do anything. We're, again, we're talking general broad brush. We need to know your specific uh, information before we can really give you some advice on what you should do. All right. Good point, David. Okay. How about IRAs and 401ks? Again, we've had a crazy year. The market dropped 30% in March. And right before that, it hit an all-time high. And just last week, the Dow Jones Industrial hit 30,000, another all-time high. So depending on what you have in your IRAs, your 401ks, you may want to go in and look at it and see if it's still balanced the way you want. You may be overexposed in one area and under in another area. Yeah, that's a great point, Mike. Perfect example of this. Technology stocks have really taken off this year. Uh, if you look at most technology funds, you'll find that they're they're up 30, 40 plus percent, some of them, whereas uh, big blue chip stocks, the big Dow Jones Industrial type stocks have just kind of done OK this year. So, for example, if you look at your portfolio, even if it's an IRA or Roth, you might want to rebalance and say, well, let's sell some of those gains. Let's let's um, sell some of that technology fund and buy some of that Dow blue chip fund to get that 
mix a little bit more balance. Get your diversity back in there and get yeah. the balance the way you want it. Also, if you're looking at your Roth, I'm sorry, if you're if you're also looking at your 401k and your IRAs, especially 401ks, ask your employer, do you have a Roth version of your 401k? Only 12.5% of Americans that have access to a Roth 401k take advantage of it. And, and if you're not sure if you should do that, again, give a fiduciary a call. Give us a call. We'll help you walk through that, and we'll look at the numbers both ways. But only 12.5% of Americans, according to Fidelity, are taking advantage of the Roth 401k. Oh. Okay, David, how about standard deductions? This year, if you're single, you can your standard deduction is $12,400. If you're married, filing jointly, $24,800. If you're itemizing, folks, everything we've talked about here, it could really benefit you if you're itemizing. If you don't know whether you should itemize or not, you might want to get all those receipts out and see if it comes up to that standard deduction. If it exceeds that, then by all means, you should itemize. If it doesn't, then just use your standard. Yeah. And on the uh, one point here, some uh, ideas that I've heard that I want to share on the podcast is if you're, we talked about charitable contributions earlier. If you give to church or charities uh, throughout the year, and let's say that uh, in the course of a typical year, you give $13,000. One thing that you might consider doing now, you might want to talk to your charity about this is go a year without doing any charitable contributions and double up the following year that way you're you're guaranteed to make sure that your itemized deductions for that every other year will exceed that itemized deduction threshold so you can itemize so in that example you would be taking your standard deduction say on the odd years and itemizing on the even years uh, our cpa that we use that's been on the podcast M melissa massey she even recommends that she calls that lumping so if you plan on giving a big year in a contribution, you may want to wait till January and make that same contribution and lump it all into one year. A good thought, David. Okay, uh, let's see. What else here? Medicare. This is really nothing to do with your finance, but Medicare. Medicare open enrollment period ends in 12-7 just here in a, just a few days. So folks, if you haven't done that yet, now's the time to be thinking about that. And folks, before you do anything that we've said here, anything we've talked about, we've said it two or three times, David, Contact a fiduciary financial advisor like Mach 1 and or the person that does your taxes just to make sure. Don't wait till December 30th to start thinking about this. Now's the time to think about it. So for a quick recap, tax-deferred accounts can have contributions made up to the time you file your 2020 tax returns. And that's everything except a state like Arkansas 529 plan. That has to be done in the calendar year. Charitable contributions have to be made in the calendar year to count on this year's taxes. Gifting, Roth conversions, all those have to be done in the calendar year. The tax loss and tax gain harvesting that David talked about has to be done in the calendar year. Retirement accounts, please get those, look at those, review those, and rebalance those. And you can do that anytime, but at the end of the year is a good time to look at it. Again, if you plan to itemize, now's the time for you to get those receipts together. And if you're eligible for Medicare, you got till 12-7 to sign up. Okay, Natalie, uh, questions for the podcast. If people have questions for the podcast, how do they let us know? 
Yes. If you will email podcast at mock-1financial.com, we would be more than happy to answer your question on the podcast. You can also go to our website, mock-1financial.com, and there's a podcast tab. We have a little form you can fill out there, um, but that's that's how you can get the questions answered. Thank you, Natalie. Natalie does a great job producing this show and doing all of our marketing. She makes us look good on this podcast. Some of you guys will get that. Okay. We'd like to end with the thought of the day. Here it is procrastination is like a credit card. It's a lot of fun until you get the bill. Well, that's it for today. We appreciate you listening to the podcast, and we look forward to you joining us again on the Mach 1 Market Moment. Mach 1 Financial Group, Inc. Mach 1 is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular skill level or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit www.mach-1financial.com disclosures.